so we're, uh, it's really good stuff. Those are really good stories. Uh, yeah, okay. You got to find So we're going to we're gonna do the course here. So um, we're kind of going towards the finish line here on the course. You guys, what's the course called? Call with the Holy Call. Call with the Holy Call. Come right? on! We did, we, did, we did a lot of everything. It's just been a wild semester. Um, but we, you know, this last few, we started, we started this kind of section of the course with discernment, right? Um, we had dating, a marriage talk, we had celibacy last week. And let me say, I was so jazzed from like last formation, I like couldn't sleep till like 1 a.m. That was just me. Father Jacob, I just have Father Jacob brought just some real power and authority uh, to this night. And before that happening tonight. So I'm actually gonna invite up Jonathan Allison Zins. So we're talking tonight about uh, career and mission and what it looks like kind of like launching forward. Um, for a lot of you, some of you guys want to go on mission, some want to seminary, some people most of us are gonna take full-time jobs. It's kind of like that's we're at least gonna end up there. And there's actually some really good wisdom and approaches that we can take that, because we know uh, that's a mission field as well, right? So, what I want to say about Jonathan and Allison, uh, they uh, graduated from our state. Uh, they were both, well, Allison, you might know, Katie is her little sister. Yes. Um, and uh, Kayla the house for a couple years, and just graduated yeah. so far. Uh, you guys are married in, what year? 19. 2019. Yep. And what I love about Jonathan and Allison, they just always had a, a heart for mission. So, like, they kind of graduated, they kind of surveyed the landscape. They're like, what are we going to do? Like, well, there's this really great parish. So it's like, get involved in St. Chris, with a lot of young adults, and let's start meeting some of them. And then, like, now we meet met some, let's, like, maybe start a small group, because we know how to do that from SBO. So they just kind of started doing these small groups um, in their homes. They started meeting people. And then, like, they started forming friendships with these people. And then these people started growing in their faith and coming alive. And they're like, well, we'd like to do more. So, like, well, we'll do more small groups, I guess. And uh, I remember this during COVID, we were on this conference, we talked about like, uh, we had this exercise where we like, like, okay, we had to like do a young adult outreach from the ground up because it's like COVID, everything's reset, like what would we do? And John and Allison, like, it's cool, we kind of had that exercise and there like, a lot of things that we like dreamed about back in those days are realities now. Uh-huh. And now, like, I have practice with them on Wednesday morning, they're talking about spearheading like a young adult formation program. Um, that actually like similar to this for young adults in the city because a lot of them like, never had it's kind of one community and two like the uh, formation content actually um, dive into their faith and become disciples in a wonderful way so you guys lead the charge you're here tonight because you live it and you live it generously and you have lived it and you know and you'll get a lot for all of us here so let's pray with them really quick and we'll get going here so Father, Son, Holy Spirit let's welcome the Lord here Come, Lord Jesus, praise your name. Holy, holy are you, Jesus. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this group of men and women. Thank you, Lord, for the call in our lives, for your work in our hearts. We thank you for the Zenzas, for the way they responded generously to your love, for the fruit you brought about through their yes. We pray that you would inspire our hearts, you would open our ears, and your Holy Spirit would fall upon Jonathan and Allison now. We thank you and we love you all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Packer. You want to do that? Okay. All right. Let me just say, you guys are wild. This is awesome to be here with you guys. The energy level, like it's bringing it all back. We've been out of college for a number of years, but it's great to be here with you guys. Five years. Five years. Giddy up. Giddy up. 
Um, has anybody seen this SPO shirt before? Is this original? This is an SPO shirt. Repping. Yeah. This is from Kansas City. So Kansas City has a lot of really incredible young adult things going on, and Allison got to go there for a fan of the flame for young adults, and she got me this shirt as a little token of her love for me. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. This is the marriage talk. Um, okay, so uh, we graduated in 2019. Uh, we've been married for four years. I'm a physical therapist. I work at Ohio State in their Dublin, uh, their little Dublin campus up there. Allison is a respiratory therapist. She works for Nationwide Children's Hospital. She works with all the babies, and I specialize in geriatrics, so I work with all the old people. So we have both ends covered. Um, not the middle. But um, in households, I lived in, I was uh, in Fort Zion for a year, and then I was one of the original founding fathers for Malta. Are there any Malta nights here? And Allison, you want to, where'd you? I lived in Siena the first year it opened, and when my parents moved us in, there was like no kitchen still, and they're like, where is, the, what is this place? <laughs> Jaslyn led my house. There you go. So tonight we're going to talk about uh, the Christian approach to work, um, career, work, and how the Lord impacts that, because we know that Jesus impacts every area of our life, so that includes the office as well, right? Um, so we're excited to share that with you, and um, my work started initially with um, grad school. So I had to go to grad school to be a PT, and um, a lot of my work was studying, going to class, doing clinicals, all that stuff. So as you can imagine... Uh, being in the workplace, uh, there's a lot of sometimes friction between um, us following the Lord and then um, us encountering the world as well. So I just want to start with a story, story of that. So um, one of the classes we had was very uh, soft skills based. It was designed to try to get us to get comfortable managing difficult situations with patients. So we'd have these paid actors. They would come in. They'd be, they'd be in an exam room. They would have a whole script that we didn't know what it was. We would then go into the exam room, have to manage the situation while our classmates were one room over watching a live stream of us interacting with the patients. <laughs> High stakes class. Um, so a lot of the situations were um, just kind of classic things you would see in medicine. But one week, um, the situation was there was a 16-year-old boy who came in with his parents. They were all actors. Um, but the 16-year-old boy was gay, and he wanted medical care in that realm, and his parents were, quote-unquote, staunch Christians, and they were extremely, it was extremely an ugly picture of Christianity. They were very vulgar, very disrespectful, very much like, our son is gay, and we're going to pray that away, and we're Christians, and he's going to hell, he's not gay, you know, just like all of this terrible, terrible stuff, and I was sitting there, Thankfully, I wasn't the one in the room, but I was watching my classmate, and um, it was just like burning on my heart. Like, I'm so upset that my classmates are seeing this depiction of Christianity that is not true at all, totally one-sided, and just like this narrative that whoever wrote this case wanted to kind of explain and portray for all my classmates. Um, so I was really wrestling with this, and the Lord really put it on my heart that I needed to do something. So... Um, I prayed about it, I talked to a couple of trusted friends, and um, decided to send an email to the professor and just say, like, um, hey, like, you know, I was kind of uh, wanted to circle back about this case, like, I just felt like it wasn't a fair representation of Christianity, 
Um, it showed like really negative aspects and like I'm a Christian and I don't think that that case show, showed like the love of Jesus or forgiveness or redemption for sins or any of the key parts of Christianity. Um, it was very one-sided. So um, I sent that email with all completely in love, um, but I knew that it would also be a risk because um, I didn't know how you know, the professor would take it. After I send the email, I find out that my professor is an openly practicing homosexual man. So, a little bit more nervous, uh, heart pounding, and I get an email back from him after a couple days, and he says, um, hey, come to class early so we can talk. So I'm like, okay, I rally the troops, and we start praying for this situation, praying that um, God would, you know, bring about glory in this. Um, and I'm walking to class, get in there, I'm the only one there, and he's sitting there. And I walk in, he stands up, looks me in the eye, and he says, okay, I'm going to pause the story right there, leave you on a cliffhanger, I'm sorry, we have to do this tonight. I'm going to pause you. We're going to come back to that. But in order, I'm sorry, Colin. Okay, in order to truly paint the picture for what we're trying to communicate tonight, we're going to start by talking about the theology of work, okay? So Allison's going to talk us through um, the basics of work. I know, I'm sorry. Let's just let it out. Deep breath. Let it out. Let it out. Let it out. Okay, we let it out. I'm going to pass it over to Allison. She's going to talk about the theology of work. Okay. Yeah. So I told Jonathan he shouldn't do the cliffhanger, but I like it. he has some hands. So diving into the theology of work, how did that start? Why did we do it? Um, you might be asking that question because you're all in college, probably with the idea that you're going to have a job. Um, so uh, the Bible starts with saying that the work is good and it's part of God's plan because the Bible begins in Genesis with the announcement, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, not sat majestic in the heavens, not was filled with beauty and love, he created. He did something, he made something, he fashioned heaven and earth, and the week of creation was a week of work. And the whole first seven days isn't like a story of beautiful weather he made or things like that. It's a journal of God's work. And we live in a universe and a history where God is working. Throughout scripture, we have models of creation, acts of redemption, examples of health and compassion, paradigms of comfort and salvation. And the foundational truth is that work is good because God does it. And if God does it, it must be all right. So also, not only did God work, but it was one of the first commands he gave human nature. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and care for it. Our work is a development and participation in God's work. God made work, work is good, and it's meant to contribute to the good of others and build his kingdom. So we're all going to spend, most likely, a significant chunk of our lives working. Most likely 30, 40 plus hours a week. And God cares about these 40 hours. He cares what you're going to do from Monday through Friday and not just what you do on Sunday. So, how should we approach our work as disciples? So, I want to provide a couple key areas in which a Christian approach to work and a secular approach from work would differ. 
Um, but first, I want to paint the picture of kind of where we stand in the current culture um, generationally with work. So with our grandparents' generation, work was something that was a lot more stable. You could get a job out of high school and expect that job to carry you all the way through your life and provide for you all the way through retirement. Um, for example, my grandfather was a barber. He worked in the same barber shop his entire life and never moved one time. Um, Allison's grandfather worked for Goodyear, and he worked for, he worked for Goodyear his entire life and is currently on a pension plan from Goodyear. So a lot more stable, um, whereas currently, I don't know, the statistics of how many times people change jobs is probably... Seven times in their 20s. Seven times in their 20s. Yeah, that's the statistic. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. So our economic sti uh, situation is more unstable, and because of this, career pursuing careers can take over our life in a lot of new ways that they never before did. So a lot of times, in order to advance our careers, we're asked to move away from family, um, we're asked to you know, uh, transfer to different locations, um, a lot of things that can you know, work unreasonable hours, do all these things that um, can really make it challenging for us to follow um, our call as, as Christians or can at least put a strain there. So we're not saying that that uh, strain is a bad thing, but just to recognize that um, the current work environment asks a lot more of us. Essentially, they ask us to live our lives for the company or for the job. Um, so the problem... So, the current ideology of work in our culture is primarily self-serving. So it's mostly about getting ahead, right? How can I get the next promotion? How can I get a better reputation? How can I get X, Y, and Z that I wanna get? It's all about me, all about getting ahead. The problem with this view is that it puts us in a position where we're comparing ourselves to others and our pleasure is dependent on other people not doing as well as we are. And that's not God's plan for work and doesn't bring us to the fulfillment that he has for us. Getting ahead, making fast cash, having the best investment policy, being the suaviest or bougiest businessman, um, these are all desires that are not necessarily bad, but can lead us away from the Lord. I have a close friend. Um, he was a mentor of mine, and uh, he's, you know, his growth, when he was our age, he really wanted to be successful. So he worked his butt off to be successful, successful, successful. And he is. He's very successful right now. He makes more than six figures. Um, he can buy whatever he wants to. Um, he has, quote unquote, everything. Um, but in his 40s, he had a conversion, came to the Lord, and realized that he set his bar too low. He set his bar with all of these material possessions, and he wishes, after knowing the Lord, that he would have set his bar for the kingdom and advancing the kingdom. And that's what he does now, thanks be to God. Um, but he always said that climbing the ladder... You, you do it, you climb the ladder, you're at the top, and then that's it. Whereas the kingdom is what we're made for. So am I saying that Christians are not allowed to have successful careers, um, not allowed to get promotions, not allowed to have executive positions? Absolutely not. I'm not we're not saying that at all. Um, I know a lot of Christians, faithful followers of Christ, who are in very successful careers and positions. Having a career can be a good thing for a disciple, but we have to keep the main thing the main thing. And so there's a difference when I talk about work versus career. So work is a means of providing for our financial necessity, the things that we need to provide for ourselves. Career goes a little bit beyond that. It provides for an excess of our material needs. 
um, and frequently places a greater demand on us. So we all need some kind of productive and financially stable work, but we do not, we're not all called to have successful careers in the eyes of the world. Um, and for those of us who have a non-career, let's put it that way, we're called to follow Christ. And for those of us who have a successful career, a high-level career, we're also called to follow Christ. There's no difference. We are all called to Christian discipleship. And we also have to recognize the pressures that are put on us by um, society. The fact that all of us went to college means that our families or our communities really value higher education and really value careers. Um, and so that's likely what, what brought you to college is, is uh, getting a good job. But if we let our career ambition run unrestrained, then our ambitions for the Lord to lay down our lives for the Lord is often pushed to the back seat. And I've seen that happen with a lot of my friends where, um, yes, I'm all in for the Lord, but then the job comes and this is more attractive and I can get a raise if I do this. And then slowly, one by one, our commitments to Christ um, pull away. So um, Jesus says, happy are you poor, right? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Does anybody know why he says this? Why are you happy when you're poor? Because you have freedom. More room for the Lord. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, I think, um, what's your name? Bonnie. Bonnie said, you have more room for the Lord, um, and I think that's kind of at the heart of it. So the more that we build here on earth, the more that we accumulate, the more that our jobs consume us, the more that we get the car, the house, everything, the white picket fence, the American dream, the more attached we are to this world, the less willing we're going to be when Christ comes to follow us to heaven because we're going to say, no, I'm pretty happy here. I just want to stay here, right? And we're not going to have that space. We're not going to have a radical readiness to enter into the kingdom of God. We're going to be tied down and detached here. So we need to live with that radical readiness for the kingdom, right? So a Christian with a successful career is called to follow the Beatitudes and be happy are you poor, just as a Christian with a non-successful career. We're all called to follow the Lord in that, in that area. So if this makes you uncomfortable, that's okay. It should. Christians should be at attention in our world, in our society. We shouldn't feel at home here. Um, so it's totally okay. It's a good thing. So you'll see a little chart there. Um, I titled it The American Approach versus The Christian Approach. This is all in regards to work. So the American approach is primarily self-serving. It's all about me. The Christian approach is solely God-serving. The American approach, the goal is getting ahead, whereas the Christian approach, the goal is service to Christ. The American approach says, I must be successful. The Christian approach says, I must be productive and faithful. The American approach says, I live to work. And the Christian approach says, I work to live. The American approach says, career is God. And the Christian approach says, God is God. The American approach says, work without ceasing. And the Christian approach says, pray without ceasing. And the American approach says no days off, and the Christian approach honors and celebrates the Lord's Day. Um, I want to propose a challenge also with our work, right? All of us are students right now, so our, our studies, are our work is our job. Um, so how well do we do? I don't know if you guys have had talks on celebrating the Sabbath or honoring the Lord's Days. Yeah. Um, so how well do we do celebrating that? 
are we working on Sunday? Are we setting, or are we setting aside our, our work so that we can rest and honor and celebrate the Lord so we can enjoy community? Um, so I want to pose that as a challenge to consider taking a break on studies on Sunday and surrendering that to Christ. Um, quick testimony, my brother just graduated med school uh, two years ago, and he could count on his hands the number of times that he studied on a Sunday, making it through medical school. He surrendered every single Sunday to God and trusted that if he would set, step aside from his work, that God would provide him the focus, the time, everything that he needed, and he did. He's now a doctor, so it worked. Um, so moving forward, we need to um, kind of have a mindset shift of us working for the Lord and, and, and everything that we do. So Allison's going to talk about that. Great. So um, we work for the Lord. Colossians says, whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive inheritance as your reward. So work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Christians should be diligent, 100%ers in a world of 50%ers, whether your boss is watching or not, um, because Jesus is our boss, and he's watching at all times. So um, Christians also shouldn't be consumed by work, also because Jesus is the boss. So our identity and self-worth isn't dependent on the success of our work. We should do our work well and be motivated to continue to improve but as a matter of giving the Lord his due, and not because any prestige or honor or financial gain that will come because of it. At the end of the day, the only reward that will last is the one which we will receive from the Lord. And as Mother Teresa says, you guys might know this quote, God did not call me to be successful, he called me to be faithful. So our fulfillment comes neither from working as little as possible so that we can have as much fun as possible, nor from working as much as possible so that we can feel important and successful, but from our master's approval. A disciple's deepest desire is to hear Jesus say, well done, good, and faithful servant. We're not required to be successful, but we do want to be faithful, servants, good stewards of the work which the Lord has given us to do. So we talk about, um, we want to give all of our life for the rest of our life. And it's easy to say that. It's easy to say, yes, Jesus, take everything. But there's three things that we frequently don't surrender or don't know how to surrender. And it's the big three. Packer mentioned them a couple weeks ago. It's our calling, our community, and our career. Right? So calling, vocational state, you all have been hearing about that. Um, community, who, who are the people who I'm called to live this Christian life with? Um, what parish am I called to be a part of? What covenant community am I part, called to be a part of? What religious order or lay movement am I called to live um, my discipleship walk with? Um, but the third one is career. And so, you know, when, when some of us are graduating soon and maybe already have jobs or looking into getting jobs and others, that's still a couple of years away. Um, but when you're considering that, we definitely absolutely consider salary, prestige of the company, um, benefits package, all of those things. But we also need to consider the cost of the job that we're going into. Um, so, you know, what's the cost of the time spent commuting? What's the cost of moving to a new city with no plan for community there? I had a number of friends who took jobs in different cities, moved across, and didn't really have a plan for following Christ there. 
Um, or maybe didn't even feel a direct call from God to go there. They just kind of thought, well, I have this offer. I'm just going to go there and didn't bring it to the Lord. And that's a tough position to be in, right? Because we're just kind of meandering our way. We haven't surrendered that part of our lives to Christ. So we need to surrender um, all of that to Christ. Um, What's the cost of having to work on Sundays or having to work late shifts? Uh, My sister worked in the restaurant industry for a while. And um, so she would work every single night because that's when restaurants are open and every single holiday because that's when restaurants are open and every single weekend because that's when restaurants are open. And she did that for three years and it was really hard. Like we didn't get to see her for, uh, for family gatherings. I didn't know what was going on in her life. Um, we really, you know, missed her during that time. Um, and she, she realized, she's like, yeah, like I think I wanted to find some other restaurants that have different hours because it's more important to me to be present to the people around me um, in, her, in the state of life that she's in. Um, working long hours, right? Like grad school definitely takes long hours. So I went to grad school and I had to weigh the cost of I'm going to spend three years working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. Um, is that something that I'm willing to, to give up, you know? Um, or the cost of only showing up to men's or women's group occasionally or when we're able to. These are all things we need to consider when we're discerning a job and discerning what the impact on our life is going to be. So we need to ask ourselves the question, am I following the Lord into my career or am I asking the Lord to follow me into my career? Jesus says, come follow me. So we can't then turn around and say, no, 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 come follow me, right? So often we're walking and doing our thing. We're like, Jesus, I surrender this to you. I surrender this to you. Jesus, I surrender this to you, right? And we're like, you're still back there, right? You're, you're coming with me. But we need to actually pray to ask the Lord to show us where to go, not just to bless our plans, but to lead us because he loves to lead us. He loves to point us in every direction that we need to. So we really just need to give the initiative back to Christ. Um, So encouragement, talk to your pastoral leaders, talk in your small groups about this. If you're not sure what it looks like to surrender your career to God and to ask him to lead instead of saying, this is what I'm doing, please bless it. Um, so as Allison kind of alluded to, you know, some of us, we might have um, really no desire for work, and we need to ask God to convict our hearts to work excellently, to work with the mindset that Jesus is our boss, that we want to do all things with excellence for the honor of God. Some of us might really be excited to be the next Steve Jobs or whatever, and we need to surrender that desire to God as well and ask him to purify that. Um, whatever side you lean on, it's all a call to deeper surrender. The Christian ideal is not one of no ambition or direction, but of ambition solely surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. And Allison got to experience that when she was in college. So uh, Jonathan's question that he just posed, um, am I following the Lord into my career or am I asking the Lord to follow me into my career? When you hear that question, how does it make you feel? Does it make you feel afraid, nervous, panic? I was there. Um, so when I was, let's see, I was going into my senior year of college, the summer before my senior year, summer of 2017, think about what you were doing summer of 2017, anyways, so I was about to go into a heavy summer of, like, intense clinicals as I'm learning how to be a respiratory therapist, like, 12-hour shifts, working at the hospital, all these things, I thought it was going to be terrible, it was scary. And then I was also at the same time experiencing a conversion to the Lord and redirecting my life towards him. And um, 
it, it was the first time that I was actually inviting God into that area. And it was really scary because, um, yeah, what if I invited him into it and he asked me to do something different? Like, what about these last three years of college? What about my plans? All this stuff. Um, I picked respiratory therapy because it seemed like fulfilling. I can work with kids. I can work with adults. The human body's amazing. My parents approve of it, but I never asked God. So when we were prepping for this talk, I found my journal from summer of 2017 just to see, like, where I was at. And when I was going through my journal, guess what I found? I found this talk from when I was a junior in college, sitting where you were, actually like the basement of Holy Family, Holy Name. But that talk was the first time anyone ever told me to invite God into my career. It was like mind-blowing. So um, if you haven't, it's okay. It's not too late. So just encouragement that it's going to be okay. And he wants to be part of this part of your life. So... Okay, so we've talked a lot about work. We've talked about the theology of work. We've talked about the Christian approach to work. Um, and we've talked about the importance of surrendering our work to the Lord. And now we're going to talk about our work in another sense. Um, we've previously been talking about our earthly work. But now we're going to talk about our heavenly work. So the workplace is a mission field for us. And that is our heavenly work, which is mission. The workplace is often a crossroads where we engage people outside the body of believers and have the opportunity to witness to Jesus Christ. So I work at Nationwide Children's Hospital, and I'm in contact all the time with doctors, nurses, other respiratory therapists who all need the Lord. Some of them don't know the Lord. Some of them have never heard the name of Jesus. Some of them know the Lord but need encouraged in their walk with faith. Um, in the Great Commission, this is probably familiar to you guys, Jesus said to his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and I'm with you always to the close of the age. So we're all called to make disciples. You don't have to be a focused Damascus or SPO missionary to be a missionary. Um, every disciple's life is a response to the Great Commission. And every disciple receives the same command from Jesus to make disciples of all nations. So during this time in college, you're just hearing at the beginning about all these amazing opportunities you have for mission now in college. So soak it all up. But it doesn't stop there. The vision is that mission doesn't stop when you graduate. And it's something that should extend well beyond your time in college. So like we said, mission shouldn't stop. However, it will look pretty different. Um, but the Lord doesn't only want to come to Ohio State and meet people at Ohio State. He wants the world to know him. And that only happens if believers are sent to proclaim the gospel, not just during the four years of college or five, but for the rest of their lives. So um, in Isaiah, it says, um, I will make you a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And this includes your workplace. So mission um, looks different in the workplace than it does in college, and we were kind of reflecting on this and wanted to get a couple quick hitters on how this looks different. Um, so the first one is mission takes time. Um, things are just a lot slower after college. Relationships are a lot slower 
Um, I've been at my current job for six months and just this past Easter weekend was texting a coworker of mine who I've really been praying for and really um, asking the Lord to come into his life. And just after six months of knowing him, finally, we were able to actually say, hey, let's go together, get together with the happy hour. Um, it took six months to get there. Whereas in college, you might meet a guy in the Oval, uh, invite him to household dinner, at household dinner, invite him to your men's group, and in six days, he's in a men's group. Um, after, after college is a lot different. Um, mission can also look different um, at different places in different environments. So sometimes it might look very steadfast and very slow. Um, Allison's coworker, Sarah, do you want to sure. tell him about that? So um, one of my coworkers at work, um, she's actually one of the nurses. We became friends. It was clear, pretty clear that she also loved Jesus. So we you know, would kind of unite and that kind of thing, which was really neat. Um, and she knew that I was Catholic, so I've kind of become her, like, go-to person to ask all the Catholic questions. So she'll be like, she'll call me, we have these, like, walkie-talkie things, and when I, she's calling, I, yeah, it could be many things, but often it'll be like, hey, do you want to meet for lunch, or do you want to get coffee? And it's because she typically has some kind of question. So, um, anyways, over the winter, so around Christmas time, she asked me, like, hey, um, what do Catholics think about people who get married outside of the Catholic Church? Like, what does the church say? What's their view on that? I was like, hmm, I don't know, but I'll look it up and I'll get back to you. I didn't get back to her until March. So December to March, that's like, I don't know, four, five months. And that's because sometimes our work shifts didn't overlap, or even if they did, they were busy shifts and didn't have free time at the same time. So um, it just takes a lot of time and patience. Um, so sometimes it can look steadfast and slow, like the story with Sarah. Um, sometimes it can look like forgiveness, um, like one of the stories with one of my mentors. Um, so I had a mentor who I really looked up to, really respected, and um, she taught me a lot of things about physical therapy. Um, we were teaching a class together, and we were walking out, and um, she was just telling me about her family, and she was like, oh, my crazy Catholic mom, she blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it was just kind of like saying stuff like that, and um, internally I was like, that was an interesting phrasing there. Uh, <laughs> crazy Catholic. I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, anyway, it was not a good thing. She was, she was kind of, uh, you know, talking about the faith in a, in a negative way, and um, so I just kept, you know, we kind of kept just walking and talking, and nothing came of it. Um, three weeks later, we were leaving work again together, and um, she's like, hey, can I talk to you about something? And I was like, yeah. Um, and she was like, I just want to apologize for what I said a couple weeks ago. I called my mom a crazy Catholic. And I know that you're Catholic, too, and that that's really important to you. And that probably wasn't very honoring. So I just want to apologize um, for what I said. I was like, man. I was like, thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. And this is somebody who's, she's definitely not Catholic herself, um, doesn't view Catholicism like highly, but she like God worked in her heart to be like, yeah, that wasn't right because I see that this guy really admires and respects his faith. So I learned from her too. I learned from her humility and forgiveness and we can do that with our coworkers as well. Um, and then sometimes mission just looks like honesty. Um, being honest with how we're spending our time, the way that we're living our lives, not just like, how was your weekend? Oh, it was good, you know, hung out with some friends, didn't really do much. Meanwhile, men's retreat was that weekend. Um, <laughs> It, it really, like, honesty is so important in the workplace. So um, God was really convicting me about this a couple of uh, years ago, and I was leaving the hospital with a coworker, and um, we were talking about, like, morning routines, and he's like, 
um, what'd you do this morning? Like, what's your normal morning routine? It's like, okay, I could either say, oh, I just like kind of got up, went to class, went to work, not a whole lot. Or I could be honest, so I was like, well, God gave me grace to be honest. I was like, well, I, uh, typically every morning I like wake up, uh, have some breakfast, and then like spend some time reading the Bible, um, do some prayer, and just kind of like get myself in a good place to like go into the day. Um, and two months later, later, that guy was in my men's group, um, just from that one, <laughs> two months, not two days. But still, praise God, right? Like just that small act of, um, small act of honesty. So another thing that we've learned is just, um, you know, going where the people are. Packer kind of alluded to the whole like St. Chris thing, and um, somebody just texted in, in a group uh, in my grad school class. They were just like, hey, I'm going to mass at 6 p.m. at St. Christopher's, and I was like, okay. Um, that was like the first week of class and everything, so I'm like, oh, well, we're definitely going to go there if, some, if a classmate's going there. So we go, hang out. Um, a couple weeks later, other Catholics emerge from the program and, you know, all, all going to mass together. Um, and then, like Packer said, you know, it's like, let's start men's groups. Let's start women's groups. Let's start, like, drinking with the saints, Thursday night hangouts. Let's start all these things. And now there's five men's groups and five women's groups running at this parish just because of a small, one guy was like, hey, I'm going to mass. We're like, okay, let's just go where they're going. Um, so just like those small, those small yeses. Um, was, is there anything else you want to say on this part? I think we're good. Okay. Um, so prepping for this, kind of bringing it to a landing here, prepping for this talk, I was asking God three questions. Um, the first one was like, what's the problem? Like as a, as a physician, what's, if, if you were to diagnose things, what's the problem with the workplace right now? And I think what the Lord put on my heart is that um, the problem is, is that Christians don't look any different from non-Christians in the workplace. Everybody looks exactly the same. If you were to step into an office and say, hey, uh, Joe, can you tell me where all the Christians are? He would probably be like, I didn't even know we had Christians here. Um, it, and, and so I think part of that reason is, is because um, we're just like afraid to live our faiths openly with people. We're afraid of being uh, judged or condemned or whatever. But what I found and what Allison has found is when we're just honest with people, people really don't judge you or condemn you unless you're in like a toxic work environment. People are like, oh, okay, cool. You know, it's, it's not a big deal. Um, second question I asked was, um, what's hell's strategy? So like mission control, what's going on? What's hell's strategy to not let the kingdom of God advance here in the workplace? And what was convicting me was um, hell's strategy is to make Christians fixate on only their work, their earthly work while at work. When Christians are in the office, just make them think about the earthly work. Don't let them think about heavenly work at all because those two things cannot, cannot cross over, right? And the second thing also that I think hell's strategy could be is um, don't let Christians find other Christians. Make them think that they're the only Christian in the entire company. I'm the only Catholic at all of Ohio State. There's nobody else out there. Um, that's not true. Um, part of our prayer strategy when I started my new job um, was praying that God would give us, would give me a Christian friend at my workplace. Um, so I've been there for six months, and I have a couple ideas of who it might be, but um, I know the Lord will provide that Christian community in my workplace. Um, and then the third question is, um, what do we need to do as a general? What should we do? Where do we need to go? And I think it's a couple, a couple things. I think the most important thing is we need to practice honesty in our conversations. So like, let's practice now with our classmates, with our academic advisors, just being honest 
um, about who we are and how we live our lives, not in a showy way, but just if you're asking me about what I do in the morning, I'm going to tell you what I do in the morning. Um, I think we also need to just listen and ask questions, and we need to get comfortable befriending people who are different than us. Um, it doesn't have to, it's, it's not like it's depicted in the movies where it's, there's two people with differing ideological views and they hate each other and they're conflicting with each other. That's not how it is. It's actually somebody who loves the Lord and has a friend who has some difference, differing opinions and you're asking questions to get to know them more. more. And that's where good, fruitful uh, discussions come from. And then also I think uh, most importantly is, you know, sometimes it can be like, oh my gosh, I have to be on mission for 40 hours a week at the office. That's so much. I'm going to be burnt out and dead when I get home because I have to be on the entire time. Um, but really the, the, the response is that we need to practice the presence of God. We need to walk with the Lord, um, grow in humility, pray at all times, pray without ceasing, so that whenever we're going through our days at the office, we're simply carrying the Lord with us, and it's him doing the work we're not being exhausted and burnt out by that. Cool. So um, to wrap up, um, just with some encouragements, um, today there's a great need in the church for lifelong disciples, um, men and women who put Jesus first all their lives for the rest of their lives. Um, following Jesus is not just a one-time experience, but a lifelong decision. So I want you to imagine a generation of young men and women who take the call to follow Jesus seriously. They choose jobs, careers, spouses, and locations based on God's call for their life and not on personal preference. They're ones who seek to build up Christian churches, communities, and their cities and states. Some of them even choose to live single for the Lord in response to his call for their life. All of their biggest life decisions are made from the lens of how can I best serve the Lord? What kind of effect would this have on the world? An amazing, this, imagine this amazing potential for mission. So this isn't just some imaginary, un, like unfeasible dream. This is the reality and this is the goal that we want to see from all of you. We want to see young people living with radical generosity and how they spend their time and money. We want to see Christ-centered marriages and godly families. And we don't just want you as students graduating with degrees in education or nursing or engineering, but we want you graduating with a degree in spiritual and missionary discipleship. Thank you. This story. Um... So I walked into the room, and uh, he was there waiting for me, and he said, um, Jonathan, I really appreciated the email that you sent me. Um, I grew up Catholic, and um, I actually go to Mass on most Sundays at, um, I can't remember the church that I went to, um, but I, I just really appreciated how you like articulated all of that in that email, and I really think that you need to share that. With, uh, with your classmates, so would you be willing to share that? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so I got to share with my classmates like how that was not an honest depiction of Christianity and what, who Jesus is and um, all these things. And um, afterwards, he was like, that was so good. Um, do you want to get together sometime and talk more about this? And so we ended, praise be to God, we ended up uh, reading through parts of Father Mike Schmidt's book on um, Made for Love together and getting dinner multiple times. Um, all by the glory of God, 
Um, the Lord really worked in that relationship and brought about, you know, these relationships that you would never think would happen, but um, just by that small stepping out, the Lord brought, brought mission into that. So, praise God. Yeah, yeah.